Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Thanks for singing out loud together. Thanks for bringing friends to church with you today. We are in week two of a series this Lent season called Amazing Grace. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to jump in on that uh, online. You can catch that message on YouTube, and I would encourage you to do that. You're kind of right in the middle of this series, and I'd love to catch you up on all of that. I'll get to today's message in just a moment. I am preaching this through the Lent season. We'll actually go right through Passion Week with this and right up to our Easter message. While I brought it up, Easter at City Hills three weeks from today, and it's really going to be... I think it's the best thing we do, honestly. Uh, I, I think days like that, uh, your church shines bright. I love uh, the worship we bring. I love the creativity we bring. I love what we do for your family, your kids. There's Easter egg hunts in all three services. If you don't like that, if you say, Pastor, it's not about Easter eggs. Okay, we'll do Jesus and Easter eggs together. Come on, somebody. I just, I'll do any, we'll do anything short of sin to reach people who are far from God. Say amen to that. And, and here's what I know. I know that the Easter season, there are people looking for a church. I know they're looking for somewhere to go. And there's people in your life that God has placed you in their lives for just this season. And so when you leave today, our team has invite cards for you. They got a whole bundle. Take five or six bundles of them. And don't let them just stay in the dash of your truck. Use them. Invite somebody. 80% of people will say yes to a personal invitation to a church service. More than they will a Facebook ad. More than they will a Google. More than they will a, a, a banner. More than they will a, a, a billboard. More than they will a mailer. If somebody in their life, their neighbor, a coworker, a friend, or a family member invites them to church, they'll go. And there are people God put in your life for that. And here's my promise to you. I tell you this almost every Easter, but let me remind you of it today. The, I, we, need, we need to partner on days like Easter and Christmas. It's, it's really God's plan for us to partner. And here's my promise. If you'll do what I can't do, and you'll bring friends, family, neighbors, and coworkers that God's put in your life. Because I don't know those people. Those people are in your world. God put you in that office. God put you in that school, on that campus. God put you in that profession. God, God put you in that neighborhood. God put you in that family. I know you look around thinking, surely God didn't put me in this family. But He did. There are people who are far from God in that family. And if you'll do what I can't do, and you'll bring those people to Easter, we'll do what maybe you can't do. And we'll present the gospel in the most clear and compelling way that we know how. The most creative way we know how. It'll be powerful. It'll be practical. And we'll give people a chance to say yes to Jesus. And I think this season would be the best season for somebody you love who's far from God but close to you to say yes to Jesus this Easter. Say amen to that, everybody. So let's do it together. Let's bring friends, family, neighbors, coworkers. Let's invite, 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 share, and uh, it's just going to be a great season. You say, Pastor, why Why are you so worried about growth? Somebody asked me one time, Pastor, you're always talking about growth. Well, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why we're always talking about people who aren't here yet. Because heaven and hell are realities. If heaven and hell weren't real, it doesn't really matter, right? People can do whatever they want to. But heaven and hell are realities. And that means the people who you love, who are far away from God, when they die, they're going to live somewhere. They're going to spend eternity somewhere. Say amen to that. And I want them to spend eternity in heaven. And I'd love for them to spend eternity in heaven with you. And so I'd love for you to be a part of the miracle of salvation. And days like Easter is a great day to do that. And listen, go ahead and start picking out some clothes. Men, let me help you. 
Something with buttons on it. Come on, somebody. Something without a hood on it. Are you with me, everybody? You may even, now look, go get that neck measured and get you something to tie around it, okay? Or just get you a coat on if you can't wear a tie or just, let's, let's elevate. Are you with me, everybody? Come on, let's elevate it a little bit on Easter. So nothing wrong with that at all. You're looking like slob. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. You're not. But let's elevate. It's Easter. Bring somebody and look good. We'll have family pictures for you. We have professional photographers. It's just going to be a great day. Anyway, Easter is coming up. And then tonight, I know you heard Julie say this, but I want to give you my personal invitation to our Welcome Home event. Uh, it's always a great time. There have been so many people joined our church since January of this year, and it's just a great season. If you've been kicking the tires You've been coming for a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months, and you say, man, I want to know more about who they are, and I want to get involved. That's what Welcome Home is, excuse me, is all about. It's all about getting involved, and I'd love for you to do that. I'd love for you to make this your church family. We don't have a 12-step program. We don't have a secret handshake. you got to do the thing and know everybody. You just come this one night. We'll feed you dinner and keep your kids. That's worth it. And then, and then you're in. You're in the club, everybody. You're in the family, and you can become a member. You can get on uh, the dream team, what we call the dream team, our amazing uh, army of volunteers here. I'd love to see you tonight at 5 o'clock. All right, everybody, grab your Bibles. Look down your row. Make sure somebody's taking good notes for you. And if you're not a note taker, why aren't you a note taker? Be a better note taker in church. Everybody needs I preach from notes. I can't. I mean, I wrote it, and I need notes. You need notes to remember it. So we're in this series uh, about grace. I want to try to teach it to you today. I am not the best teacher. I've actually asked God to help me be a better uh, teacher. I am a preacher uh, by uh, gifting. It's just, it's just what I do. But uh, I've asked God to help me uh, teach you this word today. Grace, last week we, said, we talked about what grace was. And, and we said grace is sort of that thing that I need the most. But it's the thing I give the least. Isn't that true? Like it's the thing that I need God to give me the most. When I look at my life and I see who I am. Like you, you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and thought, what is wrong with you? Anybody but me? I promise your spouse has thought that. They've looked at you while you were sleeping and thought, what is wrong with you? Why? Why are you the way that you are? Why, why do you do what you do? And every once in a while, I'll look at myself and skeeter. I'll think, man, who am, why am I like I am? You ever, you ever said something, men, look straight ahead. Don't, don't, don't look side to side. Look straight ahead. You ever said something to your wife and immediately when it left your mouth, you thought, oh, God. Why did I do that? Patrick, I know you've done this today. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why, I look at my life sometimes and I think, why, why am I? And when I do, I think, God, I need grace. God, I am messed up. I got problems. I got issues. Anybody got issues but me? Let me see your hand. Anybody got issues? If you don't have issues, that's your issue. That you don't know you have issues. Everybody's got issues. Everybody's got something except Brandy. Besides my wife, everybody, she's perfect. Everybody else has issues. Everybody's got something in your life. And I need grace from God. But it's the very thing that when an issue shows up in your life, I'm reluctant to give you the thing that I need from God. I'm reluctant to give you grace and it's the thing I need the most. Are you there? Grace, we said last week, write this in your notes if you weren't here, grace is God's best idea. 
I think grace is God's best idea. I think of all the ideas God has about calling and purpose and and joy and peace in your life and the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and of all the stuff God wants to do for you, I think grace is His best idea. Grace is, is His most important work. If you look at everything God does, it starts and stops at grace. Everything God has is about grace. And grace is all about Jesus. So... This is going to be a Jesus message. Is that okay, everybody? This is a Jesus church, by the way. Let me pause here and tell you. I'm not an activist. I'm, re- I'm honestly, and if you're looking for an activist church, you may be disappointed here because I'm not an activist kind of preacher that stands up and tells everything and, you know, word of the day and what's going wrong and newspapers and all that sort of I just, I'm not that kind. But I'm going to tell you what kind of preacher I am. I am a Jesus kind of preacher. I am a G. I, I'm a person that tells you I don't really care what the government does. Jesus is on the throne. He's the king. I don't really care what's happening around the world. Jesus is king. I don't really care what virus is here. Jesus is our healer. I don't really care how bad it looks. Jesus is going to win. Shout amen to that. If you don't like Jesus, you're going to hate this. You're probably going to hate heaven, but you're going to really hate this message. This is a grace is all about Jesus. Write it down like this in your notes. Grace is everything Jesus is. Grace is everything Jesus is. When you read your Bible, I hope that you do. I hope that you have a daily reading plan. I hope that you have a pattern where you read God's word every day. Do you? Okay. I hope that you have a, a daily read. Maybe that, that's what's next, if you're wondering what I'm preaching in May. I hope you have a, a daily reading plan where God can speak to you and there's something powerful that happens. And when you look in the Gospels and you see Jesus performing miracles and Jesus raising the dead and Jesus showing up to parties. By the way, that's one of my favorite things Jesus does is shows up to all the parties. And the first miracle Jesus ever does is turn water into wine. Some of you, that's why you became a Christian because you're like, I heard there's wine at all the parties. (laughs) No. Anyway, you read the Gospels and you think, man, it's Lazarus raising from the dead. And it's the it's the widow at Nain. It's her son coming up out of the out of that coffin. And it's and it's Jairus's daughter who's sick and she's sick unto death. And Jesus speaks the word. And man, I love all that miracle stuff. But listen, every time you see miracle in the Bible, you see grace. Because grace is everything Jesus is. Everything Jesus has to offer is grace. And when you are saved by grace, you're saved by Jesus. Say amen to that. You are not saved, look at me, by some idea or some doctrine. Now, I preach doctrine. Matter of fact, this is a doctrine series. All throughout the year, you'll hear Bible doctrine in this church. This is a doctrine kind of message. But there's a lot of people I know who are so caught up in your ideas and your theology and your doctrine, you miss the person behind the message. Jesus said it like this one time. He meets the teachers of the law and they had memorized scripture. Now, I love this. My little boy and my little girl go to a, a great uh, Christian private uh, school and uh, they uh, memorize verses. They memorize a lot of scripture, actually. I'm very uh, proud of them. It's one of the reasons why we chose that particular uh, education for our children. And uh, we're last night with a group of dream teamers and my little boy, the, whatever we're talking about, a verse comes up and my son yells out, the verse. He, I know that one. And he repeats the verse. Now, 
it's kind of the message translation when he gets done with it. But anyway, it's good. It's, he was, it, was, it was close. It was, it was good. And, and, but Jesus meets these people one time and he says, all of these teachers of the law, he says, you study these because in them you think you have life. Now, it's not wrong that you study this. Matter of fact, it's right. That's what we do today. It's what we do in small groups. It's what we do in men's ministry and women's ministry and students and children. And and studying God's Word is right. But Jesus said, in them you think you found life. In other words, you think your doctrine, you think just memorizing, you think just Bible studies, you think learning Greek and Hebrew and learning to read your Bible upside down and maybe if I count every third word and numerology and what does it mean in a crossword puzzle and all of that kind of... You think that's where you have life. Jesus said, no, these are they which testify of me. Jesus said, it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. And when you get grace, you don't get church membership. You get Jesus. When you get grace, you don't get doctrine. You get Jesus. When you get grace, you don't get an idea. You don't get a secret handshake. You don't get a creed. You don't get a finger snap. Jesus himself comes to live on the inside of a believer. Grace is everything Jesus is. Y'all didn't let me teach. I told you I was going to try to teach. And y'all started amening, and that's the wrong thing because I can't teach when you amen. Grace is everything. We said last week, Corinthians says that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's no other major religion in the world that said Christ is in you. There's no other place in the world where you can find the deity come from heaven and live on the inside of me. You mean you left all of that for me? Yeah, and I don't just want to come near you. I want to live in you. We said last week, God doesn't just want you in heaven with Him. He wants heaven to come to you. He wants heaven on the inside of you. 1 John 4.15 says it like this. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, whoever gets saved, whoever finds faith, whoever believes. Look at this. God abides in Him. And He abides in God. Jesus is not my co-pilot. He's not my homeboy. He's not the big guy upstairs. He lives on the inside of me. He's directing me, helping me, guiding me, showing me, shutting me up, opening up my mouth, giving me wisdom, supernatural strength, grace for the journey, to be a better father, a better pastor, a better husband. Are you there, anybody? It's not just a relationship with some foreign object. I, I think God hears me. No, no, no. He's in me and I am in him forget teaching I'm going to preach so you can amen I am in him and he is in me Jesus is praying to his father one day he says father make them one as we are one that same passage he said when you've seen me you've seen the father in other words everything that God was was robed in the person of Jesus not all of God you couldn't fit him there but everything God was was in Jesus and everything Jesus was was his father and he said I want you to be the same way. I want you to have oneness with God. I don't just want church to be the only time you experience my presence. I don't just want the hour you spend on Sundays in an elementary school to be the only time you feel my presence. I want to be in you and I want you to be in me. Man, this is you ought to amen better because when you're fighting with your wife, you can tell them, this isn't me, honey. God's in me. 
<laughs> don't mess with me. I'm in Jesus, and Jesus is in me. So don't, don't be cussing at Jesus because, you know, I'm not saying you're Jesus. Don't do that. But I'm in God, and God is in, there's a closeness to it. Grace is not a one-time event. Listen, if you've got the wrong idea of grace, you'll think if I'll just come to the altar, and I'll shake the preacher's hand, or I'll pray the prayer, or I'll check the box, I'll make a fresh start with God, that's when grace comes to me. No, no, no. Grace doesn't come to you one time. The fact you got up today is grace. The fact that you're sitting upright is grace. Everybody take a deep breath. You just inhaled grace. Everybody blow it out. You just exhaled grace. Everything I do is grace. I speak in grace. I walk in grace. That's why, that's why Paul said in him we live and breathe and move and we have our very being in him. He abides in me and I abide in him. Shout amen to that. Grace is everything Jesus is. And he comes to live. On the inside of me. Now grace existed before Jesus was manifest in the flesh. Grace existed before the incarnation, before the earthly ministry of Jesus. But grace was embodied in Jesus. All of grace couldn't fit in a body, but everything in the body was grace. You didn't catch that. That went right over your head. I could see it in your eyes. All of God and all of grace couldn't fit in the body, but everything in the body was grace. If I took a bucket to the Pacific Ocean, by the way, that's a real ocean, not what's at Corpus Christi. If I took a, if I took a bucket to the Pacific Ocean and I dipped it in the Pacific Ocean, is everything in the bucket ocean? But is all the ocean in the bucket? You can't fit all the ocean in the bucket, but everything in the bucket's ocean. Jesus said, all of God, you, you, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you've seen me, you've seen grace. All of grace can't fit into this, but everything in this is grace. Everything I get from God is grace. Everything Jesus is, is grace. Jesus is grace personified. He became grace, lived grace. It's more than what he does for you. It's who he wants to be in you. And if you'll get grace inside of you, you'll be able to give grace to others. John writes it the best. I think John gives us the best illustration of this incarnation of grace. John 1, 14. If you're new to the Bible or new to Christianity, John talks about the divinity of Christ more than any other gospel. John talks about Jesus being God come to us, that He's God in flesh to us, that He's more than a good teacher, more than a good rabbi. He's the Son of the Most High God. And the Bible says it like this in John 1, 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. It dwelt here with us. And we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Look at me. That's that oneness I'm telling you. When John would describe Jesus, he would describe together. You can't separate Jesus from His Father. You can't separate His Father's will from Jesus' will. Jesus said, I came. I don't do anything that my Father didn't tell me to do. I don't speak anything my Father didn't tell me to speak. There's a oneness there. He said, you, you see His glory. You see God's glory. And then He, then he gives you a picture of who Jesus is. Underline this in your Bible. He said he is full of grace and truth. Shout full. You didn't shout it. Shout full. Full of grace and truth. Verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth came. How? Through Jesus Christ. When you get Jesus, you get grace and truth in your life. 
You get grace and truth in your life. Jesus isn't a little bit of grace and a little bit of truth. Jesus, and I, a lot of people like the parts, you know, they wish they could separate. Man, I like those. I like good Jesus. You know what I mean? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I like nice Jesus. I like, I like sloppy, wet kiss Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I like reckless love Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? I love that one. I love Jesus that don't mess with me. I love Jesus that just loves me like Jesus loves me. This I know. We're, okay, Christians, y'all forgot, huh? I, I like that one, man. I, my, my little boy was watching cartoons the other day, seven years old. We try to be very careful what we allow him to watch, but he was watching something the other day, and it was actually an older cartoon, and, and it came up later on in conversation. He said, Daddy, um, you, you know sometimes when you want to do the right thing, you know that little angel on your shoulder tells you to do the right thing. I said, okay. Well, what about when you do the bad thing? He said, well, it's the other guy <laughs> on the other shoulder. He'd seen in this cartoon. There's a, everybody likes the little the good guy. You know what I mean? Everybody, I like that man. I like the way it makes me feel. I like I, I like I like man. I like that I like that part grace. I, I like that loving part. I like that forgiving part. I like that accepting part. Uh, uh, I, I, I wish I could just take out that part. No. I, I, Jesus isn't just 50% grace and 50% truth Well, that truth is the mean part Man, that's the rules part That's the conviction part That's the law part I don't know if I want all of that I don't know if I want to do all of that Let me get that nice Jesus again, okay? Let me get sloppy wet kiss Come here, Jesus is my boyfriend Come over here, sit by me Right? But it doesn't work that way. You don't get to separate out because Jesus isn't half grace and half truth. Jesus is full of grace and full of truth. When you get Jesus, you get all of grace and you get all of truth. Here's why you need all of grace and all of truth. Because it takes both to change your life. If all you got was grace, you would be forgiven and still messed up. If all you got was truth, you would feel guilty and not changed. Write it down like this. Truth without grace is mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. Truth without grace is mean. Some of you know what kind of mean church I'm talking about. Where the preacher, now I preach loud and spit at you, but I'm not, I'm not mean like that. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know the kind of church like that, that it's all, it's just religion. It's just what you've done wrong and reminding you of your failures and pointing out all the failures of others. And they empower you to be the police of everybody else, you know. And, oh, I heard, oh, ho, 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 they're so and so. You know what they did. You know what they do. You know what they're involved in. Truth without grace is mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. There's a version of woke Christianity right now that says you can do anything you want, be anything you want, live your truth, have your way, do it the way you want to. All paths lead to God. Everything's all right. You can identify as a unicorn if you want to. Let me pause here and tell you, there's not an activist church, but you can't identify as anything. You can identify as a unicorn. That don't make you a unicorn. God created you just like you are. And God knows what he was doing when he made you like you. But there's this version that says, no, God will cover me. God accepts me just like I am. He does. But he also has some truth for you that said, I accept you. Pretending you're a unicorn, but I made you a woman. I accept you pretending that you're a caterpillar, but I made you a man. Are y'all catching what I'm putting down? 
Okay, good, because I ain't going to say no more. But you got to have both. You got to have both. If you, if you cut the wing off one of the birds, if you, cut, if you just cut the left wing off of it, you know what the bird does? If you cut, if you cut the right wing off, you know what a bird does? He's, you know why? You, you'll spend your whole life turning circles and never making progress if you don't have both. If you don't have both in your life, the grace of God. You can't just do anything you want. You can't just make the grace of God uh, 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 just, I can trample over it. I can be anything I want. Romans 6 says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Paul actually writes the church at Rome and said, there's a bunch of people who say, I'm going to do worse and just see if God's grace still covers me. Now, y'all don't know people like that, but there are people in first service that do that stuff. I'm just going to see how bad I can be and push the limits of God's grace. And, and, and Paul said, we, we can do that, right? We can live any way we want, talk any way we want, act any way we want, think anything we want, be anywhere we want. Can't we do that so that grace appears? And then Paul answers his own question. You ever talk to yourself? Paul talks to himself here. And he says, no, by no means. Do we do that? We are those who have decided to die to that. How can I live like that any longer? In other words, when I had a full Jesus encounter, oh, I got all of that grace, but there was some truth in my life, and it changed every part of my life. I'm not anybody else. You are not who you used to be. Would you just testify and wave your hand? I'm not who. I was somebody else, and I'm not that person anymore. I used to think like that, talk like that, walk like that, live like that, sleep around like that, be like that, addicted to that, look at that, click on that. I used to be all of that, but that's not my testimony is not who I was. My testimony is God found me there, but he didn't leave me there. God changed my life. All right, here's the only tough part. I know you think all that was hard. No, this is the hard part. You ready? This is always going to be a church of grace and truth. I don't want this to be a social club. Now, I love getting together. If you stay around here very long, and there's thousands of people that call our church home, when we, when we move in our new... I'm telling you... You can't imagine what God's going to give us. I'm telling you, the people God's bringing to our church family. But listen, I, I, I know it's going e to be easy to just think, well, I just come there because it feels good, and I come there because this is not a social club. This is a house of transformation. I don't just want you to come here and think, well, that's good, and that's nice, and he's weird, but he spits, but I kind of like it. I like the music. I don't know what's happening. I don't want it to be that. I want this to be the church that you say, my life was changed there. Oh, they took me just like I was. Nobody made me feel bad at all about who I was. Nobody made, there was grace everywhere. But my life, when I encountered grace, it changed me. It confronted me. And my life is transformed there. I'm a better husband. I'm a better mother. I'm a better wife. I'm a better college student. I'm living my purpose. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do because God changed my life. Grace and truth. I see the truth to see it and the grace to change it. Say amen to that. I want to give you, thank you, I'm going to give you the best story that I think illustrates grace and truth. Now there's a couple in the New Testament. I almost preached to you the story of this demoniac who finds himself possessed by devils and naked, living in a graveyard, bound in chains. 
has an encounter with Jesus. And the Bible said the next time the town saw him, they had, they had made him go live in the, in the graveyard. We don't, want, we, we, we don't want any of that. We don't want him anywhere near us. We don't want him anywhere near our children in our town. And they make him live in this graveyard. And he has an encounter with grace. The Bible said the next time they saw him, he was clothed and in his right mind. Hey, when you have an encounter with grace, it'll clean you up. It, it'll make you, people are not reckoning. What's different about you? When you have an encounter with grace, it'll change your physical appearance. You, you, you'll be happier. You'll smile. Some people, if you smile tomorrow morning when you walked in, you're, literally your coworkers would talk behind your back. What is wrong with them? Why are they smiling? They have not smiled. I've been here 13 years. I've never seen a smile on a Monday. What happened to them? It'll make you lose weight. I don't know if that's true, but it may. Everything will change in your life. I mean, but that's not, I'm not preaching that one. This woman's in her own bedroom. Door closed. Lights off. It's Sabbath. Church is going on. And she's awoken by the shattering of a window. The cracking of her front door. Scared, I'm sure, reaching for a club realizes she's still in bed with the man she met last night. She's half naked in a negligee, lipstick smeared from a wild night, hair frazzled, smelling of cheap perfume, empty liquor bottles through the room. And the morality police of Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Council on Conduct, shows up to her bedroom. And they don't ask her questions. They know her name. They don't talk to her. They don't ask her how she got there. They just drag her by the head of her hair. There's a man in the room who quickly dresses, leaves the scene of the crime, and leaves her alone with her accusers. Jesus is teaching in the temple. And they grab this half-dressed, confused, humiliated, embarrassed woman, and they drag her to church. And it's not enough to just park outside and wait for church to end, no. They take her to the middle of church. Verse 3 in John 8 says, As Jesus was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act. Of adultery. It's one thing for people to hear about what you did. It's another thing to get caught in the act. It's one thing for your reputation to get out. Ah, I think uh, I heard. Uh, it's another thing to get caught in the act. And they put her in front of the crowd. Let me pause here. Look into my eyes. Some of you, your only religious experience are people just like this. They're not okay to cover your sin. They want to put you right in front of the whole crowd so everybody sees you. 
One of the reasons why some people don't like churches like this is because we don't publicly stone everybody who messes up. Somebody one time got me not here, not any, any, anybody you know or anything that you would know anything about. And they said, Pastor, why didn't you deal with that differently? Why didn't you tell everybody? Why didn't you bring her in front of the church? Why didn't, why didn't, we, we deserve to know. No, you don't deserve to know. I'm going to cover them. I know people like you. People like you just like to see it in the front of the crowd. You like a public stoning. And they bring her to the front of the church. And Jesus is teaching. Verse 4, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman, didn't even call her by her name, was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? Here's what I got to tell you today as I close. The answer to your life's mess is not what do your parents think? What's the office going to think? What's the neighbors going to think when they hear? What, what would happen if everybody found out? What would happen if they played a reel of what goes on in my mind on the screen? What would happen if everybody found out my stuff? That's not the question. The question is, Jesus, what do you say? What do you say about this woman who's so messed up? What do you say about this person who doesn't deserve to live? The law of Moses, by the way, the Levitical law of Moses said, if you find them together, then you stone them both. But they forgot the part where they stoned the brother. Uh, and, and, and the law of Moses says we're going to kill her. And I am led to believe, and it's entirely probable, that they're holding the stones in their hands that will render the death sentence for this woman. Jesus, what do you say? That's what you need to know when you realize you're a sinner. When you realize you've messed your whole life up. When you realize it's you. When you look in the mirror and think, it's me. I did this. I messed up. I got issues. I got problems. Jesus, what do you say? Verse 6 says, They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus, underline this in your Bible, come play. Jesus stooped down and wrote. Underline the phrase, but Jesus stooped down. He wrote in the dust with his finger. Nobody knows what Jesus writes there. There's a lot of supposition. I have an idea. It's just an idea. It's not in Scripture. I don't know. Verse 7, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he said, all right. Isn't that crazy? What if you were the woman and Jesus said, okay. I'd look up and go, Really? Really? I thought, I, thought, I thought you were Jesus. All right. Tell you what, though, guys. Let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. Here's the next line. Underline this. I'm telling you, this needs to be your verse of the week. This needs to be your chapter of the week. This needs to be what you write on your mirror and lipstick or soap. This needs to be what you put in your car in the dash. You need to write and underline this. Verse 8. Then... He stooped down again. He wrote in the dust. 
I don't know what he wrote there. I have an idea. I think when Jesus stoops down again to write in the dust, I think he writes the names of the women that they had all been with. And then in my mind, Enoch, I think he looks up when he writes their name like Sally. Betty. Right? If I was Jesus, that's what I'd have done. I'd have wrote the names of all the girls. Hey, Natalie. And the Bible says, when the accusers heard this, now hang on. He didn't say nothing. He wrote some stuff. Look in the the eyes. Grace will write a story that even your accusers hear. You don't have to make a big show. No, no, no. Grace is writing some stuff in your life that everybody you hear. The Bible says they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are all those people who wanted to kill you? Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them throw a stone? Didn't one of them condemn you? She only says two words, the whole story. I could imagine her head down, mascara running. And through her sobs, she says, no, Lord. And Jesus said what Jesus always says to you. Neither do I. That's grace. Go and sin. That's true. What a God. What a God. Who's she supposed to talk to when she's caught? Who's she supposed to beg for mercy? God, these are the people who represent God, and they got stones in their hands. Who's she supposed to beg for mercy? The the law? These are people who are in cahoots with the police. Who's he supposed to turn to? I'm caught in the act. I'm half naked. You caught me there. I'm embarrassed and humiliated at my life. When I find myself and look in the mirror, I think you did this to yourself. And Jesus picks her head up and says, Hey, where where are your accusers? Write it down like this. Last thing I'll tell you. When you can't stand up, grace stoops down. When you can't stand up for yourself, when you can't stand up to the heartache, when you can't stand up to the accusations, when you can't stand up to your own guilt, your own shame, your own mess-ups, your own alcoholism, your own pill addiction, your own pornography, when you can't stand up to your own fault in the divorce, when you can't stand up to your own anger, your own temper, your own abuse, when you can't stand up to your own mouth, when you can't stand, when I got nothing to say. You're right, I did it. This is me. You caught me. When you can't stand up, grace will always stoop down. Grace will always stoop down to get to where you are in your mess. 
Jesus will always stoop down to find you in your mess. Jesus will always move some dirt away. Jesus will always stoop down. Grace, grace, grace loves you where you are. But grace loves you too much to leave you there. Grace loves you right where you are, but loves you too much to leave you there. And today, if you're in church and you're dealing with guilt and shame and disappointment, heartbreak, and frustration. Why did this have to happen? And why did it go that way? And who am I? And why did I mess this up? I want you to hear today, there's grace for you. That when you can't stand up to your own stuff, grace will stoop down and get you. That grace will take you just where you are, just like you are. Grace will receive you just like you are today. You don't have to change one thing to get grace. It's the free gift of God. You don't have to do anything. The woman never said a word. You don't have to ask for it. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to plead for it. You don't have to say, please, God, I'm, I know, I know me. No, no, no. Grace to take you just like you are. Listen. But he loves you too much to leave you just like you are. What he didn't say, that if I were to leave, read between the lines, if I, if I could take the rest of the story when he said go and sin no more I'm almost confident he probably took his coat off and said here wear this here cover up here here's my hanky Jesus carried a hanky all preachers do wipe your face clean yourself up nobody's going to stone you here nobody's talking about it anymore listen to me God wants to stoop down in your mess, pick you up, straighten your hair, clean you up, put a coat on you, and say, now go live the rest of your life full of purpose and calling. As when you have a grace encounter, you have a Jesus encounter. Bow your heads and close your eyes all over the house. If you're here today, nobody's moving. Nobody's moving around for the next 60 seconds. Would you honor this holy moment? Because there are people in this room today who need to respond to God. That God's talking to your heart, tapping you on the shoulder like only the Holy Spirit can do. You know what it's like to be caught. Maybe not actually caught. Maybe nobody physically found you, but you, you know. You know what it's like to look in the mirror and think, man, this is me. Anger, there I, I blew up again messed up again here I go again being me I'm sure the woman when the door swung open I'm sure she thought to herself I'm caught maybe you felt that maybe you felt that shame maybe you just felt disappointment and maybe you just felt heartbreak maybe you've had questions and maybe it's not even sin in your life maybe it's just a broken heart a disappointment a confusion I don't even know what to do, God. I don't even know how to get out of this mess. I don't even know what to do next. If this is, if that's you, this message is dedicated to you. Nobody's looking around. Would you just say, Pastor, I want to be included in this final prayer. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I see you. Hands up all over the house. I see you. Keep your hand up all over. Hands up everywhere. It's me. I know that feeling. I've been right there. I may be living there today disappointed, frustrated, embarrassed. Don't know why it happened. Don't know how I got here. Here I am. 
I see you. Now put your hand down with everything inside of your heart, whether you raised your hand or you didn't. I want you to come to Jesus. I want you to give all of that brokenness to Jesus. You don't have to. Sometimes you don't even have words to say. You just got tears that fall out of your eyes. Jesus speaks in tears. Maybe it's just sobs on a sandy Judean hillside. He said, you know, Jesus, you know what I did. Jesus, you know where I've been. Jesus, you know what I've been dealing with. So I need grace today. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for grace to wash over the house, for there to be a stooping that you would reach down to us when I couldn't reach up to you, that you'd reach down into our mess and pick our heads up. Let us know the accusers are gone. I'm not going to stone you. We'll give you grace. I'm going to change your life. You get a new lease on life today. You get to start over today. That's what being born again means. You get to start again. You get to walk out of here and sin no more. You get to be a different person. I'll put my coat around you. I'll wipe your tears, clean your face up. I'll get you something to eat. I'll take you back home. You can start again. If that's you, I can't pray this prayer of surrender for you, but I can pray it along with you. In your own words and from your heart, just say, Jesus, I need that grace he's talking about. I need what he's talking about. I need that washing in my life. I need that mercy. I need grace to cover me today. So I bring you all my brokenness. I bring you my disappointment, my heartbreak, my sin, my stuff. I've been caught in the very act. I'm asking you to forgive me, cleanse me, wash me. God, I receive that same grace you gave that woman on that day. I receive that same grace that you're not going to stone me. You're not here to kill me. You're here to give me a new lease on life. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. God, I'm going to give you my whole life. That's the truth part. God, I'm going to serve you every day of my life. I'm going to leave here. I'm going to go. Sin no more. I'm going to go and leave behind shame. I'm going to go and leave behind guilt. I'm going to go leave behind that anger. I'm going to go leave behind that addiction. I'm going to go leave behind that problem. I'm going to go leave behind that, that temper. I'm going to go leave that behind that abuse. I'm going to go leave all of that behind. I've been given grace. I get to get up from this seat and have a brand new life. So thank you, God. Come on, say it. Thank you, God, for grace. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins. Thank you that you rose again, that I could live in heaven with you. I receive it today. In the name of Jesus, everybody shout a big amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise for his word, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.